What I love about Jesus is that he is strong. He fights the devil on his own turf and beats him. He goes into the wilderness. He goes to the hard places because that's what obedient people do. Obedient people go to the hard place and they put themselves in a place that's not comfortable because souls matter. Well, good morning, Ridgecrest. Won't you please stand and join us as we sing. We're grateful that you joined us for worship today. a place to hide this weary soul this bag of bones and I try with all of my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a vagabond and just when I ran out the road I met a man not alone. He picked me up and he turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior, because he healed my heart and he changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior, I thank God. what I see. I've got no choice to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friend. Burden and bitterness, you can keep on moving. You ain't welcome here no more. For now and I walk the streets of gold I sing of how you saved my soul This wayward son has found his way back home oh, You pick me up and you turn me around Place my feet on solid ground I thank the master, I thank the savior slavery. Church, we are free in Christ. Amen. Free through the salvation of Christ. Who lost another one? I am free. I am free, Lord. I am free. Who lost another one? I am free. I am free. Yes, I am free. Who lost another one? I am free. I am free. Yes, I am free. Who lost another one? Yes, I am free. He'll lost another one. I am free. 
baptism. Good morning, church. We get to worship in baptism today. Listen, there is no way for me to explain to you the amount of excitement that we have had back here uh, this morning. We've got somebody, we're, we're always excited for baptism, but uh, we can't wait. So we've got Mason Mosley, my friend here. He has been looking forward to this and through the roof excited. Lots of questions and conversations. His one instruction is that he does not get to ask questions during this. So, uh, uh, but I love it. I love someone who is interested and wants to learn about truth, wants to learn about God, um, and lives his life out loud. And so I am so excited. Uh, so Mason, in our baptism today, I've got one question for you. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Yes. Awesome. Both hands. On your profession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism. Raised to walk. Let's continue worshiping together. Thank you for choosing to spend your Sunday with us. Let us know you are here by filling out a Let's Connect card in the seat back in front of you. After service, bring it to the Welcome Center. We'd love to meet you and give you a gift. Also in the seat back in front of you, we have a prayer card. If you have a prayer need, please fill out the yellow card and place it in the offering bag later this morning. We have a team of people who will be praying over those needs today. Now, here's a look at what's coming up at Ridgecrest. There is something about Easter season that softens people to the gospel conversations. Maybe you're here today because a friend invited you to an Easter service in years past. Has God placed someone on your heart? Invite them to come to one of our Easter services. We have three options for you to choose from. A sunrise service at 7.30 in the Fellowship Center, followed by our choir and orchestra service at 9.15 and the modern service at 10.45. Both of those will be held in the worship center. Please note that we will not hold small groups on Easter Sunday. Also, preschool care will be available at 9.15 and 10.45. Additionally, we will hold a Good Friday service on April 15th at 6.30 p.m. in the Worship Center. You can find more information on our website. Finally, if you signed up for an Egg Your Neighbor kit, you can pick them up today or next Sunday in the Go Mission Center. For more information about what's happening at Ridgecrest, please visit our website or check out your bulletin. Now, let's worship together. Stand back up. Come, all you weary, come, all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come, all you sinners. Come find his mercy, come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. For God so loved the world that he gave us, his one and only Son to save us.
The world that he gave us is one and only son to save. For God so loved the world that he gave us is one and only son to save us. Shine in the shadows, you win every battle. 
Nothing can stand against the pack. Come on, church, let's sing this out. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows, win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Our God. So when I fight, I fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Every fear I lay at your feet. I sink through the night. Oh God. Belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Yes. Let me see this. In St. Louis, there's a plethora churches. One of the constant things that we kept hearing was new church. Why do we need a new church in this community? We already got a bunch of them not doing nothing. In this neighborhood, I mean, there is a lot of homelessness, prostitution, fatherless homes. The world has changed. Sin has increased. There's more crime. There's more drugs are prevalent. It's not a secret thing anymore. My family and I bought a house in the community and we moved there in the community. So the people that, that we wanted to reach, we were living amongst. We were set up um, on a Sunday, bring our own church, bring a barbecue pit, some chips, some hot dogs, and we would have worship service in the neighborhood park. And we just began to live there, love there, serve there, and people started to come. When we see people submitting to discipleship relationships, when we see people surrender their heart to Jesus, when we begin to see the neighborhood beginning to change around us, like that's when we just know like, like we're, we're doing this right and we wouldn't change it for the world. But it's gonna take all of us working together to ensure that, that, that lostness is being addressed in our communities. It's the body of Christ. There's someone in Tennessee, they may never come to the inner city of St. Louis, but they can give and contribute because they believe in what we're doing as a body, as an entity to help us to get to that next level. We just gotta work together. We can do more together than we can do apart. Praise the Lord what he's doing uh, all over the world. But this was filmed in St. Louis, so just a few hours from us. Uh, I, when I saw this video, I texted Pastor Jeremy and said, do you know this guy? He's, uh, he's from the St. Louis area. And Jeremy's like, yeah, he's a good friend. So uh, he represents thousands of missionaries who are serving in uh, North America that are supported through the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So churches all across America today are collecting money for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And this is uh, a special offering that we take uh, to support Southern Baptists that are serving in North America. And so this is not just, an, you know, faces on a screen or um, names that you see on their website, but 
uh, James and Abby Copeland, many of us know them, and uh, Andy and Tabitha Daniel, they actually were here for the first time with us at Missions Week. They are both uh, global impact partners that we support financially, but also raise part of their funds uh, through this Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And so these are people that we've worshipped with, that we've seen, uh, that have shared from this stage. And so I just want to encourage you, this Easter season we'll be collecting through the month of April. And uh, this is, uh, again, an offering that goes directly to support Southern Baptists working in North America. And so if you would um, just pray about uh, what the Lord would have you give, uh, there are uh, offering envelopes in the pew backs in front of you. You can fill that out, or you can just write Annie Armstrong on your tithe envelope. So uh, I'd love to invite our offering bears to go ahead and come to the front. And Uh, while they're doing that, um, just want to say how good it is to worship with you this morning. I was sitting down there uh, uh, just praising the Lord. Thank you, Praise Man, for leading us and for all that you guys do. And uh, let's pray together over um, Michael and uh, the city of St. Louis, but also James and Abby. Um, uh, Andy and Tabitha Daniel, uh, let's pray over uh, all three of these cities that they're working in uh, that the Lord would move mightily in their midst. So if you'd pray for me, pray with me, sorry, not for me. You can pray for me too, but if you'd pray with me. <laughs> Father, thank you so much, uh, God, for what you are doing, Lord, for this testimony that we just heard um, uh, from St. Louis. God, we praise you, Lord, for your work there uh, with Michael and his family uh, moving into the neighborhood and uh, just sharing their lives uh, with them, uh, with the people around them. Father, I thank you, Lord, for um, Jesus, you coming and living among us and uh, uh, dwelling among us and uh, sharing your life with the people that you are around. And so, Jesus, we want to be like you in that way. Father, I pray for Michael and his family, for James and Abby and their family, for Andy and Tabitha and their family, God, in, in moving into these communities and sharing their life through their ministry, through their testimony. Uh, God, we pray that you would protect them and strengthen them and, and uh, bring encouragement, Lord, to, to them and to their church. Uh, Father, we pray that, Lord, many uh, this Easter season, Lord, in our own city, in St. Louis, in Montreal, in South Dakota, Father, that many would hear the good news of Jesus, maybe even for the first time, and would choose the life and the hope and the peace that comes from putting faith in Christ. So, Lord, we pray over them and ask Jesus that uh, you would use us in our own context to share boldly the gospel. Father, uh, Lord, we entrust our offering to you, Lord, our tithes, our finances, uh, but, Lord, also our time and our emotions, and, uh, Lord, all that we are, we give to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.
Good morning. It's good to see you. And it's been kind of fun the last several months. We have uh, not just people down on the floor, but we have a pretty full balcony. So, hey, wait, hello up there. How are you guys doing? It's so good to see the balcony full. And I was just thinking, like, when I was a kid, that's where I would have wanted to sit and cause all kinds of problems. So don't do that, all right? <laughs> all right, don't do that. It's awesome to be with you today, and uh, we've had a wonderful time in God's house already today. And the video of Michael Bird, he is he's one of my dearest friends here in the state of Missouri. In fact, he was one that came uh, during COVID, and we had that discussion. I've had the chance to hang out with him a lot, and I know we're good friends because he calls me bishop. So I know, I know I'm, I'm down with Michael because I'm a bishop to him. But what God is doing there in St. Louis, in North St. Louis, is incredible. And when we give to uh, Annie Armstrong, we really are. We're helping plant churches in some of the hardest places here in the United States. And it's a little easier for us, I think, to think about missions and, and Africa and around the world. Absolutely. But just here in the state of Missouri, in St. Louis and Kansas City, and to some extent here in Springfield, we have some areas where church planting is very difficult. And when we have people like Michael who are willing to go into hard places, we need to be willing to provide support for them financially and spiritually. And that's one of the great things about being a Southern Baptist is that we can pour resources into people and to places that maybe that's not our immediate context, but we can still be a part of kingdom work in places like that. And speaking of kingdom work, I don't know if she's in here again, but we have with us or have had with us in the building today, Miss Shayla is back from Poland and she has, she has done such a great job. Almost a month, not quite, uh, but right at a month, she was over there helping uh, serve really on the front lines of what God is doing there in Poland to help Ukrainian refugees. I'm so proud of her, and it's a blessing. And before we finish today, we're going to see that even though we're on the front lines there in Poland, we still have work to do around the world. We're sending a team out this week to Africa, to Lesotho, and also to Spain. So we are on the March Ridge Crest. We are reaching people for Jesus in our neighborhoods and around the world. Amen? That's exciting. Whether or not you realize it or not, it's awesome to see God at work that way. And I believe that God has a great, great message for us from his word today in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 12. And let me just say this. The truth of the matter is, is that the Lord is here today. His spirit is at work among us, and he is here, and he's going to knock, he's going to knock on the door of your heart. And I, I know that's true. What I don't know is if you'll open the door. So what I'm praying for is that you will have the courage to open the door as Jesus knocks today, as he is going to reveal to you what it is he wants you to do to take that next step for him. So if you will stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's holy word, we're in Philippians 2, 12, we're going to go through verse 18. Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 
Do all things without grumblings or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. He says, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this moment to be in your holy word. And we do pray, Lord Jesus, that your presence will be felt in this room. And that, Lord, as you convict us, we will have the courage to say yes, Lord, to what you're saying to our hearts. Let us experience you in the fullness of your might today, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know, at churches, we often talk about church membership. And that's a, that's a, a pretty old-fashioned way to talk about being a part of a church. And it's sort of unfortunate today because, you know, you can be a member at Sam's Club or Amazon Prime or the local library. And so a membership today kind of has that connotation. That's something that you can have and let it go and it's no big deal. But I want you to realize that your membership in the church is a big deal. You are a part of something here. If you are a part of Ridgecrest, you are part of the Bride of Christ. And I want you to realize that every single person here, you are, you are touched by God in salvation, but God is also working through you and wants to work through you to do work for the kingdom of God. And so when we talk about church membership, not so much today, I'm not going to beat on that drum, but when we talk about working out our salvation with fear and trembling, what we're talking about here is how we grow in grace, what we do with this beautiful gift of salvation. What does that look like in your life? And I'm pretty convinced that whatever it has looked like, it could be better still. And that brings us to this text, which has so much to tell us about sanctification, what it means to grow in our faith. You see, when Jesus saves us, he calls us to join the body of Christ. Now listen to this. A person saved from their sins is given the promise of eternal life in heaven and the prospect of living a better life on earth. Now, if I use the phrase life sentence, that's usually used in a negative connotation, like going to prison or something like that. So I want to be careful here because I don't want you to think of being a part of a church as being in prison, okay? Uh, but at the same time, you do have a life sentence, and this is what I mean by it. You have been given eternal life in heaven in the name of Jesus. You have a sentence because you've been, you've been forgiven for your sins. You're going to be forever with Jesus, but I also believe that that life sentence needs to be worked out in this life also. We need to work out this beautiful gift of salvation and make the most of it for Jesus. Now, look at the text, and I want you to see the very first word of our very first verse is the word, therefore. It's a simple word uh, here in the text. It was in Greek. It is in English, but it's a connecting word. And it's a word that's reminding us that Paul is, is building on something. Now, obviously, the passage we had last week, uh, chapter 2, verse 5 through 11, that talks about 
uh, the humbling of Christ, which led to the glorification of Christ, obviously the mind of Christ, all those things, yes, that's part of it. But the truth is, that's sort of a standalone paragraph. I think Paul is pushing us back to uh, a little further, to chapter 1, verse 27. And if you have your copy of Scripture, look at it with me, because he says there, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that what Paul is going to tell us today are are some ways that we can make sure that our manner, our walk for Jesus is a worthy walk. And this is what we need to focus on here today. We need to realize that working out our salvation with fear and trembling doesn't mean that we can have our salvation and lose it. That's not at all the context. The context is, though, are we living worthy Christian lives? Are our lives truly shining, as the the passage tells us, amidst a crooked and dark generation? That is the question. And if we are, we are able to do so without fear. Look at 128. We will also be willing to suffer. Look at 129. All those themes come back again here in our passage for today. Paul wants us to see that the only way to live for Jesus is to be all in for Jesus. And right there, I want us to pause and let that, let that uh, percolate in our minds and in our hearts for just a moment. It's one thing to say, yeah, I come to church every once in a while, or yeah, I, I even go to a small group. But the question is, 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 is your life all in for Jesus? And if you are willing to work hard for Jesus, let me say this. Uh, I believe it's so true that Jesus must first work hard on you. We need to let Jesus work hard on us. It's not enough just to show up and say, sure, I'll, I'll do my part for Jesus. Before we can really allow uh, Jesus to do that, before Jesus will do that, we have to allow him to come and clean up shop a little bit. And we'll talk more about that. But are you willing to let Jesus work hard on you? So we need to be all in for Jesus. But to be all in for Jesus, we have to submit ourselves to the work of God and the image that, that keeps coming into my mind. I'm not a sculptor, but just imagine a sculptor coming up to a piece of marble, having that chisel and that hammer. Are we going to be brave enough to sit there while, while the Lord knocks away those chips and smooths the surface of our otherwise rough hearts. We need to be willing to do that. And we also need to realize is that if we are truly in Christ, we will be growing in Christ. If we get saved, that doesn't mean that it stops there. There needs to be more. It's not one and done when it comes to being a Christian. In other words, if you stop living for Christ, you are never in Christ. So I want you to get these ideas in your head. We need to be all in for Jesus, which means we will allow Jesus to work on us. And if we're not willing to let Jesus work on us, that says something about our heart, that our hearts are not right. If you are a Christ follower in here, you, somewhere in your heart, there needs to be a desire to have more of Jesus and to grow in your Christian faith. If you don't have any desire to do that, then the door that's being knocked on is the door of salvation for you. But if you know you need to grow, then the door that's being knocked on is a door of opportunity for ministry and service. So let's talk about this today in two general ways. First, let's talk about God's creative power at work in you. I love this thought. 
I believe that God wants to work in every single person here. In other words, there is no such thing as a member of the church that is called to do nothing. We're all called to do something, and your something matters. Some gifts are more visible, like the gifts of preaching and teaching, but I believe that there are so many other ways that you can serve the kingdom of God, and we need to make sure that the work of God is going through us. This is awesome to think about the unbelievable power at work in us. Now, to do this, you have to be willing to open the door of your heart. Now, Paul loves his friends in Philippi. Notice he calls them beloved. Therefore, my beloved. It's a term of of affection, the term of deep friendship. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation, your own salvation, with fear and trembling. Look at that word, obeyed. It is an aorist active indicative, and you don't care about that, except for the fact that it is telling us that Paul is alluding to the reality that he's talking to the body of Christ. So much of my sermon today is aimed directly at you as a member of the church because this text is spoken directly to those who have obeyed Jesus. Now, here's what's interesting about this word, obey. That's a good translation, but the literal translation is more akin to this. It means to answer the door. It literally means to answer the door, to hear the knock, obey, submit, and open the door. Paul is saying that The beautiful thing about the people he's writing to is that they were obedient enough that when Jesus came and convicted them of their sin, that he died on the cross, that he knocked on the door of their heart, they said yes to Jesus and were saved. That happened at a point in time in their lives. And he's pointing back to that. Let me just get this in your mind. This is awesome. The God who created the heavens and the earth has amazing power, don't you think? Don't you think that that power was amazingly shown to you in the moment of your salvation? Yes, that's a, that's a powerful thing. But this may be what we're missing. That same power that created the universe and saved you from your sins is at work in your life today if you will submit to Jesus. And the creative power of God is not just unto salvation, but unto sanctification. He wants to do more in your life than you've ever dreamed. As members of the church, what we are doing is we are saying that God is sovereign and his power is limitless. Yet, he invites us to invite him into our hearts to do more. Now, I want you to look at that. I've got it on the screen for you. He invites us to invite him into our hearts to do more. Now, this whole idea of free will and God's sovereignty, I think that that sentence, as strange as it may sound, shows us the the kind of both-and reality of the Scriptures. God calls us, and ultimately, it is His call on our lives that makes the difference, but He invites us to invite Him to do more. We need to hunger and thirst for righteousness. We must determine and decide that we are not going to settle for where we are today, but we are going to be more for Jesus today and tomorrow than we were yesterday and the day before. 
In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, there's this great, great word from the Lord to the church of Laodicea. And in this verse, we hear, Behold, Jesus says, I am standing at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. As Kelsey showed us earlier, prepositions matter. She said, uh, pray for me instead of with me. And it's really good that Jesus says right here, I will come and eat with him instead of I will just eat him. Okay, so, you know, <laughs> matter, you know the prepositions matter. But the whole idea here is fellowship. The whole idea here is togetherness, that Jesus is saying, I'm knocking on the door. I am with you, and I want to be more intimate in my fellowship with you. And so I think that's the word, not just to Laodicea, but that is the the, the message to us too. Fellowship with Jesus begins with an open door, the open door of your heart. And some of us have opened it up maybe this much, but I'm praying that today that God will just go ahead and kick that door in, all right? and knock it wide open, that that you will open it up and then just step back and let the door get opened all the way so that God can do the most through you. See, we're not talking about just boring church membership here. We're talking about you being filled with the Holy Spirit, that the presence of Jesus is with you, and, and seeing him work and do great things in this world. It's a very difficult thing to work for Jesus in a world that is cold and indifferent to God. As we go out into the world, we see that it's not easy. I mean, here in the church, we can get excited and we're fired up about Jesus and we believe in Jesus. And then we go out and, and we do. We just sort of get hit in the mouth. We get punched in the face. It's hard. That people out there are not receptive to the gospel. They have their arguments and they have their, their ugliness and it's out there. It is a crooked and wicked generation. But we must continue. And we must remember that Jesus is a worker. He creates, he saves, he sustains. He wants to work in your life today. He wants to make your witness stronger. You do not have to stay in a boring, weak place in your faith. You need to be brave enough to open the door so that your life will be filled with spiritual excitement and so that you will be filled with spiritual strength. God wants to do that. He wants to do it in your life. Salvation is a free gift from God. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If you ever want to know what salvation is all about, there is no better chapter than Ephesians 2. It lays it out. And it is not anything that we do. So here Paul is not contradicting himself. He is not telling us that we somehow work to earn our salvation. But what he is saying is that when a person is saved, their lives will have a certain flavor. They will look a certain way. We will be working out. Working out. Well, working out is something that we kind of understand. How many of you in here have a gym membership? How many? Okay, so how many of you actually go to the gym? Okay, Zach, put your hand down because you never go to the gym. You have a membership, but you never go. All right, a little shaming there, my son. But um, so, so working out, working out. Now, now, we need to think about that because working out can mean different things to different people. Like for some people... Um, my wife told me not to use the, the word wife beater, so it's a muscle shirt. So I'm not supposed to use the, the word wife beater. Um, but, you know, the guys are in there, and they're wearing, they're wearing their muscle shirts and, and, you know, showing off. So the other night I go into the gym, and it was kind of late. And usually when I go in later, there's nobody there, and that's kind of how I like it. I don't really want to be around. I mean, I love people, but I just, you know, 
Um, you know, when I'm just grabbing that 25-pound weight, and then, you know, there's some kid next to me, he's got 50, and he's, you know, so they're working out. But a lot of times, yeah, you know, the grunting and the showing off. So I was telling uh, Luke and Nick about this, and, and Deb was enough. We were, we were talking about the sermon, and, and so Nick was talking about uh, kind of the, the image here is of frat boy Fred. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he started to act it out for me. And I really ought to have you come up here and do that, brother, because you were so good. I'm, I'm pretty sure you are frat boy Fred. But he was like, you know, you know, walking around and everything. And so working out, working out can have that kind of connotation. Or, for instance, you know, again, all show, there, there's a word that Deb introduced me to, uh, like when a, when a mom is extra extra. So, so what that means is instead of just, you know, like having the birthday party, you know, they've got to have the coolest birthday party ever, right? This is extra. Now, I want to say this, I, and, I, and I've said that to be funny, but I'm not fun, trying to be funny here at all. I'm telling you, the church today cannot afford to be extra, and it cannot afford to just be working out in the showing off kind of way. When we talk about working out our salvation with fear and trembling, we're talking about a serious walk with Jesus, where we're letting the word conform us to the image of Christ, where we are willing to lay down our lives, our desires, our passions, so that the passion of Christ can flow through us. We need a church that is serious about not just going to heaven someday, but making sure that the world hears the gospel. That we are salt and light in this generation. I'm going to tell you, it is a crooked sideways world out there. And the world needs to see us as lights shining in that darkness. We need to make sure that we are the light. John Piper, his famous line is, God is most satisfied in us when we are most satisfied in him. What you have there is, is the intersection between the sovereign work of God and your obedience. When the Lord shows up and knocks on the door, we are obedient to open the door and go where he tells us to go. John Murray said, because God works, we work. And we see in this passage, working out our salvation with fear and trembling, we see the connecting point between God's sovereign power and our actions. We need to be willing to let God work. And by God's grace, we're saved and sanctified. We do get to go to heaven, but we get to go deeper in our faith. In this world, make more of Jesus. Let Jesus make more of you. St. Augustine said it this way. We are acted upon so that we may act, not so we may do nothing. Do nothing, church members. That's not okay. It's not okay to say, yes, I'll take the power of salvation, but I'm not going to live in the power of the Spirit. I'm not going to allow the Spirit to continue to grow me. That's not okay. We believe here that this passage is talking about how we can allow, once we have truly believed in the gospel, he can begin to conform us and shape us and to help us to focus on the things that matter, the things that will make a difference, the gifts that God has at work in your life. And if we believe that this is possible, then now we can see here in verses 14 through 18 how a God at work can work through you. Verse 14 makes it plain. 
for God to work through us, we must walk away from sin. It's one thing for me to say, all right, church, do you want to do more for Jesus? And I I would think that, you know, not just to please me or to tickle my ears, you would say, yes, I want to do more for Jesus. But you can't do more for Jesus if you're going to hold on to your sins. You have to be willing to ask God, reveal to me where my darkness is. Reveal to me where my sinfulness is. And then you have to crucify it. With the power of Jesus, you have to walk away from sin. You cannot continue to grow in your faith while you hang on, hold on to your sins. Let those sins go as God convicts you of your sin. Say to him, say to yourself, these sins are not worthy of my Savior. Say to him, Lord, help me be delivered. Deliver us from evil. And today we forget that, it seems. You can't have the power of God and remain in the power of sin. Look at verse 15. Look at the words that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Those who walk a straight path will stand out like a sore thumb in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I've alluded to this the last couple of weeks, but in the world today, you know, our culture sort of puts on a pedestal individualism and standing out and doing your own thing, which basically causes us to wear the same kind of clothes and drive the same kind of cars and actually conform. And I'm going to say to you, if you really have a desire to be different, if you really want to stand out in this world, live for Jesus. If you will walk the straight and narrow with Jesus, you will stand out because the rest of the world is on a more crooked and twisted path. You want to make a difference? You want to be a light that shines? Then live for Jesus. Die to your sins. Decide that holiness is going to be your pursuit. The holiness of Jesus. That's what we need. We want people who allow God to work through them. The big picture that I see from Paul here is like a a series of stepping stones because we need to see in this passage, well, how do I uh, get in it for life? How do I make sure that I am walking with Jesus? And I think that we have some stepping stones. When Jenny and I built our first home together, we were in our mid-20s, And we were able to get one of the last lots on this relatively small lake. It was about 100 acres, so you get a boat out on it and stuff like that. It was big enough for that. But we had this beautiful lake lot, and we built a home there. And uh, it was the first home my kids knew. uh, Zach was just a year when we moved from there, but so he doesn't remember it. But it was a pretty place. And later on, when they got older and we drive out there, they were like, what were you thinking selling this house? We could have had a lake house. And we were like, well, you were little, and you would have jumped in the lake with us not watching. And we were scared. So anyway... Um, but the, the, the house was, was beautiful, and um, my wife picked out the carpet, and she picked out white carpet, and our marriage survived it. It was just, <sighs> I said, honey, don't buy the white carpet. And she bought the white carpet. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember when they were having that conversation. I almost lost my religion over that. But anyway, I'm still here. I'm still, we're still married. It's all great. But one of the things, our backyard had a pretty uh, severe slope down to the lake. And we needed like a path. And, you know, uh, putting a sidewalk down there was a little too expensive. And it didn't look very good. But I found these beautiful natural stones, these stepping stones. And we put those down. And we had these gorgeous stones going down to the lake. They were fantastic until you had to weed eat around them. But they were fantastic stepping stones to get to where we were going and they were beautiful. I want to show you three stepping stones here that I think can get us to where we want to go in terms of uh, just having the fullness of Christ and, and, and having a life that is making a difference in the world today. In fact, I'm borrowing these from D.A. Carson, uh, one of the great New Testament scholars of our day, still living. Um, he gives these three, what I call, stepping stones. The first thing, look in verses 14 and 15. We need to be content in our work. And I want you to see, uh, the, the words here are powerful. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, it's interesting to me um, that these are almost the exact same words that we see in the story of the wilderness wanderings, that God's people had been given this great salvation from Egypt, from the death, the land of death, and the very first thing they start to do is they get out in the wilderness and they start complaining. And not just about, you know, the heat and, and you know, being in the desert, which, you know, sunburns hurt. But, you know, God gives them manna, and they're like, all we have is this manna. You know, what about the garlic and the leeks, or whatever those are, uh, that we had in Egypt? You know, we, we had all these wonderful leeks. I know what a leek is, but it just sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? You know, why, why Lord, why are you doing this to us? And actually, God had blessed them. But don't laugh too much, because think of all the things that God has given you. And now go back and think about your prayers, and you'll realize that you're sounding very similar to the children in the wilderness. The point I'm making here is, is that throughout the history of the church, throughout, really, redemptive history, God's people have been given some great gifts, and instead of praising God, they find something to complain about. Now, don't get me started on this. Because it's not just that I've heard you complain. When I really start thinking about it, I think about all the times I've complained. And that I've not been content. Like, my starting point needs to be that I have no right to salvation. I have no claim. I didn't do anything good enough. But Jesus loved me and died for me. And I need to realize when I begin to mumble and grumble and groan and complain, I am not honoring Jesus. Shocking, isn't it? Because sometimes we feel so justified. But Paul is saying, be content. Be content. Do all things, even the hard things, without grumbling or disputing. Why? That you may be blameless and innocent children of God. You cannot be a blameless, innocent child of God and be the complaining person. You are not the holy one when you have the gift of discernment, which only means that you see everything wrong with everybody else's business. Let me tell you what you're doing when you're seeing what's wrong with everybody else's business. You are conveniently not seeing your own. We need to focus on our sins and realize that God has saved us and we need to be content in all the grace that he's given us. That way we can be a living sacrifice 
holy and pure, a la Romans 12, 1 and 2. Secondly, we must be content to suffer in our work for Jesus. We see this in verses 16 and 17, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. So here's what he's saying. He has two basic images here. He's saying, look, To serve the Lord is kind of like a long race. It's difficult. It's strenuous. It's very, very hard. But he also says, I need to be willing to be a drink offering poured out. So in both of those instances, what he's showing us is is that the sin is severe in the world, which means when we serve Jesus, we are entering into an environment of severity, which means we will suffer. If you're going to be on the front line of battle, as we said last week, we will be shot at. We will be near where steel is flying. We will have to be tougher than we are now. Church, it is not enough for us to sit in comfort and assume that that is what it means to suffer for Jesus. No, we need to be willing to go to the hard places, church, and we need to be content to suffer in our work, to run the race as hard as we can, to be poured out. Let me just say this. If you are aiming for comfort, that is not the way of Christ. Aim to pour yourself out for Jesus. Take care of your heart. Take care of your life. Take care of your soul. Yes, but no, not when there are so many lost souls. Not when we see a beautiful country like Ukraine that many of us have visited and loved. When we see it in rubble and ruin, we need to realize there is no time to take an extra nap. It's time to get serious and to be willing to suffer. But just in case you think that I'm just being old Dr. Death up here, I want you to look at verses 17 and 18. Because even if we're running the race hard, and even if we're pouring ourselves out, there is joy when we serve Jesus. I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. There is great joy in serving Jesus. When God works through you, the enemy will try to work you over. But those who are filled with the Spirit of Christ find that the joy of leading people to eternal glory is worth any suffering here in this world. The point is this. Yes, it's hard, but when you see people genuinely touched by the gospel, when you are on the front lines of ministry and you watch as broken, defeated people become healed and whole and victorious in Jesus, it will give you strength. Jesus had food to eat, which most people don't know anything about. What was that food? It was the work of the Holy Spirit. And let me say this, when God is at work through us, the Holy Spirit is at work at us and through us. We have this wonderful power of God. And I'm telling you, some of us, we seem to be fizzling. We seem to be lackluster in our faith. Why? Because we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the joy of the Lord. Christianity is amazing. Even when we're, you know, sitting on the bench. I got to tell you, there is nothing better than being in the game. And I'm asking you, are you in the game? You know, Jesus is knocking. Will we be obedient? Will we answer the call? I want you to think with me about salvation. If you're, many of you in this room, you are professing believers in Christ. Your timeline, there's a dot on that timeline somewhere. 
where you said yes to Jesus, where you received him as your Lord and Savior. So what that means is, at that moment, when Jesus convicted you of your sins, when the knock on the door came, you opened the door, and he came in. But I just want to know, I, in a room like this with this many people, maybe you're hearing that knock for the first time. Maybe now is the moment of first obedience, the first step of obedience to receive Jesus. And though this text hasn't directly appealed to an evangelistic sermon, it assumes that we all need to be obedient at some point in our lives. That at some point in our lives, we have to stop living for ourselves and start living for Jesus. We allow the creative power of Jesus that created the heavens and the earth to recreate us. And I want to ask you, have you experienced that moment of salvation? Because Jesus stands at the door and knocks. For the vast majority of you, though, you've had that experience. And you opened up the door and Jesus came in. But it's been a long time since you have felt the rush, the wind, the power of God. I think today in the church... I think in the American church, the most discouraging thing I see is I see someone have a genuine salvific experience. They genuinely come to know Jesus, and then they just stop there. It's not okay. I want to tell you, Jesus loved you enough to save you, and that can never be taken away from you. But what are you missing? What are you missing? What are you not realizing? What potential? is there still in you? Every one of us, we, we have a door that needs to be opened. Every single one of us need to answer the door in some way, shape, form, or fashion. We need to have a heart of obedience. When we come to church, often we'll hear evangelistic message and we say, got that covered. Or we'll hear a sermon about a particular sin and we say, glad that's not me. But this passage, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It is not to a subset of the church. It is to all of us. And all of us need to answer the call. All of us in this room, on some level, have another level yet to go. And tomorrow, you'll have another level yet to go. All the way until your last day. How do I know this? Because we're in it for life. We are in it for life. Every day, an opportunity for obedience. Every day, an opportunity to do more for Jesus. Yes, with fear and trembling, work this out. Get it right. Make the right decision today. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I do thank you for your glorious truth, your gospel, your love, Lord, in this moment, I pray that as we hear the knock on our hearts, that we will be faithful and open that door. Oh, God, let us not murmur, grumble, or dispute. Whatever excuses we're making this morning, Lord, I just pray you'll take those away. And I ask that you'll help us to be faithful in this invitation and to come forward and to be obedient. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me? Will you sing? Will you come?
has called us to do <laughs> I, I just uh, I'm asking you what's that knock what does it mean for you where where are you what's that next step the faithfulness that God is calling us all to don't think of it as small or large just be faithful in the moment what God is saying to your heart right now say yes to that and then the next thing, when you know it's from the word and you know it's true, say yes to that. Every one of those steps. 
will lead you to glory. Every day, every day is another opportunity to let the resurrection power of Jesus grab you, change you. What is he trying to change you right now? What needs to be let go right now? Let it go. Be faithful. Stop making excuses. Your sin is not okay. Your selfishness is not okay. Your excuses are old. Let all things become new. Surrender. Surrender. Give to Jesus. Give to him your everything. Come to him now. Let's sing one more verse together. Be faithful. opportunities he gives us here are amazing around the world amazing and I want us to finish our time together I'm so thankful for Ridgecrest and our just the love of the gospel and the love of missions we have two teams we want to commission we've been in uh, Poland for a month but we're we're not we're not going to settle for just one place there are hurting people all over the place we have a team going to Africa and a team going to Europe. And so Kelsey is going to come and lead us in a time of prayer. So have a seat. And those mission teams, if you'll come forward, let's finish with a prayer of commissioning. 
actually want to do something a little different. If you would keep playing, that would be great. Um, as our, If our uh, Lesotho team and our Spain team could come forward, um, right where you are, I'd love you just to bow your heads. And let's, um, as I was thinking, uh, as Pastor was finishing his sermon, uh, I was thinking about the neighboring kids, that uh, the, the uh, egg your neighbor kids that are going out, uh, Poland, hearing this video uh, from Michael Bird and and uh, what the Lord is doing in North America. I was As I was sitting down there, I was thinking, Lord, look at all the opportunities that Ridgecrest has this week uh, to be involved in Kingdom Work. And so I'd love if you would just bow your heads right where you are. Let's. Uh, I'm just going to give you 15 seconds. If you would just pray to the Lord over those egg your neighbor kids. Uh, let's do that together. Just pray silently at your seat over those. serving in North America, like Michael Bird and many others who are receiving from the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Pray over that quietly. That are, that are fleeing Ukraine and, and need it cared for. If you would lift that up to Jesus right now, silently in your seat. things. Uh, we've got our Spain team that's headed out. Uh, they are actually, there's a, a long trail that winds through Spain, and they're working with some of our partners there to engage the people that are walking on that trail. Many come uh, as like a spiritual pilgrimage, seeking to uh, find something, find themselves, learn uh, about God or uh, or some supreme being that many are seeking and, and reaching out. So we want to tell them about uh, the, the one true God who can provide life and healing and peace to their lives. So uh, Tina Cook is leading that team. T Tina and Jeremy are leading that team. And so if you'd pray over them as well as our uh, Lesotho team that's going out. We haven't been back to our valley uh, in Lesotho since February of 2020, if you believe it. So it's two years, and I'm pumped to get over there. So if you would pray over the team that is uh, going to be headed out to our valley, uh, I would appreciate it. So let's finish uh, all together uh, in prayer. I'll pray over these things. Lord, we commit ourselves to you uh, today. Lord, so many of us uh, working hard for the sake of your kingdom. Lord, uh, I'm thinking of all those who picked up their uh, egg your neighbor neighboring kits uh, today, the, the uh, Easter egg hunts for, the, for uh, people in our neighborhood, Lord, who uh, we want to invite to church or want to build a relationship with. Father, we pray over those this morning. Uh, that, Father, with every uh, every Easter egg uh, hunt that is on our neighbor's lawn, Lord, that that would um, uh, just be a way to love and care for uh, our neighbors. Father, we pray over uh, our uh, North American uh, missionaries that are serving 
uh, here in, in Missouri, but also uh, all over the world. Lord, we ask for your encouragement of them again. And Father, we pray for those that we love in Poland and in uh, Ukraine, Lord, that are um, uh, suffering uh, and um, struggling. And yet, God, there's joy in their lives, Lord. We've witnessed it and seen it. So, Father, we thank you for the prayers that you're answering, Lord, and we ask that you would strengthen them in their faith. And, God, we pray over this Spain team and over this Lesotho team, God, going to totally different areas of the world uh, and yet still going to engage lostness. Uh, Father, we pray uh, over every person that they will meet, God, that they will be able to see them and and see where they're at and, and uh, help them know, Jesus, how you answer the deepest questions of our life, and you satisfy us, as Pastor Jeremy was saying, in the deepest way. Father, Lord, we pray over the Spain team that you would protect them and guard them and unify them. Father, we pray over the Lesotho team, God, that you would give them vision and understanding and clarity uh, for what's ahead in Lesotho. Father, we commit these teams to you and ask, Jesus, that you would provide for their every need and that you would uh, move in a mighty way uh, in people's lives that they come into contact with Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for being here. You guys are dismissed.